Welcome to the On Intimacy podcast. For one of life's most important topics, authentic intimacy in sex, love, dating and relationships. Visit onintimacy.com for resources, courses, coaching tips and more. On with today's show. Season 1, Episode 3, Conflict-Free Relationship. Today I'm speaking with Phil and Maud, co-authors of Secrets of a Successful Relationship Revealed and currently working on a second book, How To, that's the number two, have a successful relationship. They are committed to the understanding that conflict is not inevitable and that relationships can be the inspiration for peace on earth. I love that. I'd love to hear more about that maybe as you introduce yourselves. For part one, we'll look at the challenges with conflict in relationship plus the beliefs, emotions, and evidence that you experience with the ability to create conflict-free relationship. And in part two, we'll delve deeper into the strategies and techniques that will enable you to create conflict-free relationship. So, Phil and Maud, thanks so much for taking the time with me today. Thank you. Well, thanks very much for inviting us. So, how's the second book coming along? Oh, great. We've got through, we've done the, uh, the interior layout, so we're very close to pushing it out. We're also going to do an audio book, and we're waiting for that to be done so the two come out together, probably. Ebook, audio, and uh, print. Great, fantastic. Do you want to just give us a, a brief overview of the two books that you, you've got? Well, the first book that we did, Secrets of a Successful Relationship, was really to share the fact that this type of relationship exists. And therefore, if someone is experiencing it, it allows others to know that it's possible. Mm -hmm. That was really our entire goal in the first book, although we broke down the elements of what we were experiencing and described them a little bit. The second book is dealing with the same thing except sharing more about strategies and how-tos in terms of what one might do to achieve this type of experience. So do you want to go over to begin some of the challenges that occur in relationship or or the challenges that we have around building a conflict-free relationship? Because obviously no one wants conflict in relationship, but it certainly seems that we have a lot of drama and where does that come from and what are those specific challenges? Well, I, we think that one of the big challenges is actually uh, understanding that conflict-free relationships are possible mm-hmm. because so many people talk about conflict in relationships and how you can deal with it and how you can compromise in relationships. Uh, And we really don't think that that is necessary. We know it's not necessary because this is our direct experience. But there are lots of therapists like uh, Dr. Gottman, who is a big name in marriage relationships, who uh, really believe that conflict is inevitable and the way to handle it is to... Do it well. <laughs> yeah, to do it, do it well. He <laughs> talks about positive versus negative interactions and says that you need four positive interactions for every negative one or else the marriage is going to, to fail. And we don't think that negative interactions are any use at all. We think they're all toxic. So the idea that a conflict-free relationship is possible is really true because we have it, and yet it's not in the current culture. 
So people go in with an expectation mm -hmm. of having conflict. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the challenges to get to it, right? To get past the idea that the conflict is inevitable. Absolutely. I, I see that as very clear. So then the next question follows on very well. What is a conflict-free long-term relationship? Can you help give us a prettier picture? What are the beliefs that we can hold? Or what emotional experience do we get? And what is the evidence to know that we truly have a conflict-free, long-term, sustainable relationship? Actually, the experience, this experience is not something that you can think about. It truly is something that you have to experience. The primary aspect is the actual experience of peace. And I have to say that our concept is not the same as the experience. When you truly experience and live in a state of peace within your relationship, it brings you the sense of calm and safety and joy that carries you actually throughout your day and into all your other interactions. It is incredibly strengthening. So the emotions that come from this are really very unique. And that's why we really believe that understanding and knowing how to practice this type of uh, relationship truly has the ability to change the world, as we say, spreading peace one relationship at a time. Right. I, I'd also like to answer that question. And I think that the basis is recognizing that the other person is a complete and separate individual and have their own ideas and goals, and yet they are not in conflict. If we treat each other completely as individuals and don't try and interfere and push and control the other person, that is, uh, that's absolutely necessary. That's a part of the basis of it. And for that to be the case, oh yes, the, the, these differences are actually great. They're, they're positive. Like who wants more of yourself? You know, a different person has different ideas and brings different things to the table, which is great. That's just like a positive in the relationship. Now, for this individuality, for you to allow this, you have to get on the same page. You have to have the same ideas, the same, we call them core values. We didn't talk about the evidence yeah. that he asked about at all. Okay. Um, but our evidence is, number one, our own experience, which we are heading into our 11th year of our relationship, and we haven't had one argument. Dis we don't define disagreement the same as argument. We may start out in two different places, but we function under the concept that if it doesn't work for both of us, then it really isn't a solution. So... That's one of the things that's very necessary is the intent to find mutual solutions. And we have also, for our book, our coming book, actually interviewed a great many what we call successful couples. And we have found this theme repeatedly. We've also seen a number of other relationship experts who have sites on the web where they talk from very similar viewpoints as we do. So there's quite a bit of evidence if your eyes are open to look for it. A few notes that I've got there, a genuine experience of peace, which mm -hmm. includes feeling calm, safety, and joy, 
also mm-hmm. recognizing the individuality in, in each other and not to control to allow that individuality. Is there anything else to touch on in terms of the experience of conflict-free relationship? Knowing that you're both on the same side, always coming from that understanding and that you're seeking solutions that work for both of you, that if it doesn't work for one of you, it doesn't work, period. Should we talk about a union? That union is the, um, the complement of individuality. Mm-hmm. When we let each other be who they are and be an individual, then there are no barriers to coming together. There's nothing prickly that you're going to run into. So it's possible for us to come very close together. And so there's a paradox here in that the individuality, the freedom that we give each other also leads to a, the possibility of union. And so the two exist together. The other aspect of individuality is understanding that difference is not threatening, that it in fact is enriching. And there are a number of different ways where you come to that. But when you get to a place where you know that your individuality is being completely honored, in fact, celebrated potentially, then you relax completely because you know your basic being is not going to be attacked. This is the thing that really creates a very, because, because of the fact that you know you're in a safe situation where you are acknowledged and appreciated and supported, you're not, your basic being is not going to be attacked because the other person is also being respected as a full individual. You're not trying to be changed by the other person. You want the person to be this distinct individual that they are. Um, That creates this incredible feeling of safety and intimacy. And it's an incredible paradox because actually this distinction brings about an amazing experience of union that's only really possible when all your defenses are down in this way. Because you, you're not protecting yourself against your partner. So, so what? Let, let's go. Maybe you mentioned the difference between disagreement and argument. Can you describe what that difference is and tie that in terms of the threat that you've mentioned? Why is it that we feel threatened when we're trying to make a plan with our partner or when we're deciding what to do for New Year's Eve or? Mm-hmm. Where does that sense of threat really come from? Mm, good question. I, I think uh, one is if you're holding on to a viewpoint that you think is the viewpoint, you're coming into the exchange, the decision-making process with an idea that you have that you think is the answer. And so uh, this makes it impossible to come to a place of union or mutual solution because, number one, you cannot practice active listening if you believe you already have the answer. Mm -hmm. You will tend to be sitting there waiting for your turn to continue with what you have to say. You will be making up your next answer in your head. You won't be actively listening. You won't be receptive to co-creating with your partner which is really how one comes to mutual solutions because you think because you think you're right for both of you 
Well, yes, right, right. You have it, the it, answer. It, the, the, if you think about it, there's a huge amount of hubris when you say, yeah, I think X, whether it be where you're going to go for New Year's Eve or on a vacation or, you know, which way the handle should be put in the dishwasher. That's your opinion. That's the best possible opinion that can possibly exist. It's the only one. And your partner must be wrong because they have a different opinion. If you hold that attitude, then you're screwed. Whereas if you have the attitude that, oh, this is what I think, but, you know, it's possible there are other ways that it can be done, other places that we could go, whatever. And once you open to other possibilities, then those possibilities can be traded between the two people until something is found that works for both of you. And if you can do that process without being defensive, that's the difference between a disagreement and an argument. A disagreement in our uh, language just means we, we don't agree on something. There's no conflict. We just at this moment have different opinions. Whereas an argument is, is where you're locked into your position. You're trying to have the other person have your opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's where an argument comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious about compatibility. Surely there, there can, we cannot have a conflict-free relationship with just anyone. There must be. Mm. You mentioned core values as well. Yes. Sh- should we get into that in part two, or is there something you can? Most speak of to? this is our bigger things for part two, but we could perhaps just somehow touch on these things yeah. briefly, or because the core values hang together with our whole vision of the spectrum of acceptance. And and uh, but let's see, is there a short way to talk about it? Well, I guess the short answer is that yes, you have to have core values. If one of you want children and the and uh, the other person doesn't. That might be a core value. That, that, not, that's but, mm-hmm. probably a core value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to spend the next five years trying to persuade the other person to either not get pregnant or have kids. Uh, I don't think so. So you have to resolve major things like that, whatever they are for you, and they're going to be different for every person. Well, we recommend that initially you do have to spend your first period of time making sure that your core values are aligned. Mm-hmm. And you need to take some time to do this. You, um, you, you have to. You, there's, there's no way that you can determine that your core values are aligned in the first week. Mm-hmm. And it's not just what people say. It's very important to take enough time to make sure that you observe that what is being said is also being done, that you see it in action. This is a place where there's often a big gap. And You know, we tell each other our core values by our stories in the beginning as we're getting to know each other. We learn the other's core values. But we also have to see that they carry over. You know, if if my core value is that the relationship between people is important and that I feel connected to all people and I want all people to be supported. And my partner tells me the same thing, but I see in their behavior that they don't carry that out at all. I have to watch for that because there are certain core values which are, they're deal breakers. You cannot uh, compromise on those issues. You can't let them go in any way. They are for you and it's different for every single person what those are. So you have to know what yours are before you can ascertain if your partner has them. Right. So to get clear on yourself uh, as a priority at first and then to kind of go, let's, maybe my words, but go slow at the beginning of a new Mm -hmm. relationship to really understand 
keeping things light, I would say, um, so that you can really know that person sufficiently to then mm -hmm. start to build more intimate connection. Is that fair from your view? Yes, yes. that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I just want to bring this one up, that you mentioned you don't see much of a difference or any difference between gender roles. I'm very curious that we have a look at that. Are there no differences at all? Because I think you were quite clear in your view um, that men and women will approach conflict in relationship just the same. Um, so how, tell me a little bit about that and then let's go to techniques and strategies. At base, we think that people are people. Mm -hmm. Certainly, you know, men and women are different. I am so happy about that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> but... I, I don't see it as a core difference, a kind of a Mars and Venus difference. Okay. As we've said, we, we actually celebrate the difference um, that we have. You know, Maud does things differently from me. That's great. Mm -hmm. And the differences that she brings to the relationship are a positive for me. You know, she's... Uh, social. She has a great circle of friends and... I get drawn into those. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know what you would say about my differences. but I would uh, sit here and kiss them. <laughs> <laughs> we view all difference once your basic core values are aligned as we just don't see them as core. We don't see, we, as Phil said, we celebrate them. We don't see them as something that causes separation or conflict. And in terms of the things that we talk about, the strategies for achieving a conflict-free relationship, really don't think gender plays a role in that, which is okay. the really the question that you're asking. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain things we all have to do in order to have this experience. And I'd start out by saying the first thing that you have to do is know yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to have worked on yourself. You have to be interested to really know yourself and to face yourself. You cannot, for instance, really honestly ascertain if another person has the same core values as you if you don't know what yours are. Relationships may be seen as complicated enough, but just as equally, I think it can mm -hmm. be very challenging to really know yourself. So mm -hmm. how can people do that? Well, there are many methodologies in getting to know yourself, and they are different for every person. I think the point is that you have to be involved in and interested and willing to do that. And there's meditation, there's therapy, there's reading, there's I, I would say just life, you know, uh, you uh, you come out of school and your family and you get into a relationship and you have no idea what what you want. Right. Your 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 sex drive kicks into overdrive. Um, you know, your emotions are running. And these things are so um, in front of you that you can't see past them. And but after that relationship fails because like she was terrible with money or he was screwing around all the time or whatever didn't work, you can look back and say, oh, that's really not what I want. Mm -hmm. And so you 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 come to know yourself partly through life. It's funny because as we were talking earlier this morning. And uh, we were saying, what's the evidence? Well, one of the our evidence is that we have direct 
experienced for the last 11 years. For me, one of the ways that I know what I know and what my evidence is also the long-term relationships I've had that did not have this quality, (laughs) that I've learned tremendous amount through that about who I am and what I want and how I think it can be, and it turns out it can, actually. (laughs) So, yeah, through the experiences of life, and I think through very, um, as I said, being driven by the understanding that you need to know yourself if you want to be able to relate to others. And this is not just in um, love relationships. It's in all relationships. So knowing that you need to know yourself is some kind of drive or an impetus towards actually knowing yourself. Um, and, and being willing to put in the time to do so as I, you can explore many different avenues. There's so many wonderful books on it. There's meditation, mindfulness. You can do, work in therapy. People work in varying groups. There's many different ways. If you make the decision to take that activity, to make that a priority for yourself. Can people have a successful relationship without being so clear on themselves or, or, or should people really avoid relationships until they feel a certain level of grounding in who they are as as an individual? Mm. Oh, I wouldn't say avoid relationships. That's like saying, well, don't go into the pool until you know how to swim. Uh, Some people are better at this than than others. Maud came from a very loving family, and I think she was ready for this right from the beginning. I came from a very... Uh, uptight uh, British don't talk about sex don't talk the truth family and I worked through maybe half a dozen significant relationships before I was able to reach this stage so I think it depends where you start out but uh, you know I am living proof that you can get here Right. But I think you do have to swim. You have to get in the water at the very least. Yeah. It, otherwise, ha- it's all going to be in your head. And it's it's really experience that teaches us and verifies things. So yes. you've, got, you've got to have the experiences. So that's what you're saying about life is that actually teaches you and including the reflection, it sounds like, on successes and mistakes that you make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, but you, you have to pay attention to it. Just think of all the people who, who were on their fifth marriage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's something they didn't get. They're not looking at themselves. They're, not, right. they're, they're just trying to do the same thing again and again. Super. So once a person is moving in that direction of knowing themselves and then they're engaging in relationship, then how do they avoid conflict or learn to manage conflict? What are some of the techniques? We've talked about... Um, core values Mm -hmm. Um, we have a phrase called the spectrum of acceptance and at one end are things that are uh, absolutely necessary we we call them core values and uh, deal breakers Um, and they can be you know uh, uh, do you want children uh, are you fiscally responsible? Do, do you lie and cheat? Uh, Trust, do you do right, right, <laughs> drugs, all everyone. sorts, whatever it is, right? But deal breakers. And then at, at, at the very other end of the spectrum of acceptance are things that are totally unimportant. The toothpaste tube, all of those stereotypes of, of really small things that people get hung up about. And then somewhere in the middle, there are things where you 
definitely have differences, but you can work through them. Like, and, they, and they are bigger, real things. Right. Like, should she go back to college? Um, How to paint the house. Right. Where to go. Those kinds of things. And uh, for, for those things, there, there are definitely, a there's, a, there's a process of, of uh, working through them. Mm-hmm. To come to mutual solutions. Right. Um, On one side, we're talking about having a reasonably, um, let's say, rational conversation versus when you're in the moment and, and an argument is beginning to creep up. Maybe one of, the, one of the partners has a bad mood or one of them has an expectation that hasn't been fulfilled in the moment. Dinner wasn't made fast enough or whatever it is. Are there strategies for dealing with conflict, like nipping it in the bud before it grows into a more serious issue? Or do you have to kind of go through that, put that down to experience, and then come back when you're at a more rational, stable uh, time and then talk about what the the, uh, drama that happened yesterday or last week or what's the mix there? If you're building a relationship, you start out by building it in a way that is not going to create those circumstances as much as possible by, number one, ascertaining, really looking at the core values. If you there are deal breakers, then you need to get out. That's something that's not going to work. Right, but I'd like to address that, the, the, the question of uh, the, the dinner not being ready. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are ways to communicate that don't... Um, escalate into arguments and the uh, the first thing to do is to speak from the I not from the you not say you didn't make dinner on time I'm hungry by saying I'm hungry or uh, or I'm I'm frustrated that uh, you had three hours and didn't get dinner ready or whatever you're. That's you, still. right? Mm-hmm. This is this is how it is for me. It's not an accusation. Mm-hmm. It's a statement about how I feel. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I've just come back from work, and there's nothing to eat. I'm feeling really like grumpy. But that's a statement about me. It's it's not, or it shouldn't be. Uh, you can read it like this, but it shouldn't be a statement, an accusation about the other person at all. It's a statement about how you are. You have to truly use it that way. Not, I'm feeling bad because you did this. That Mm -hmm. that is still the same. It's not an I statement. Right. (laughs) And, And what this does... Is is a number of things. Firstly, as I said, it removes the accusation. It's not an attack, so the other person doesn't feel attacked. It is a statement about me. It's I'm revealing myself. It's an act of intimacy of, of of being personal, of saying how I feel, and then the other person can see how I am and how I'm feeling and how their actions have, have affected me or and not. this or not. And, <laughs> and this, this changes their reality. And they can say on the other side, their reality, I didn't make dinner because I had a splitting headache mm-hmm. and Jean called and I could not get her off the phone. And that's, or, that's her reality. I'm hungry too. What should we make? <laughs> right. And so by, by speaking personally and by not attacking, each person reveals where they're at. And because um, this is not an important 
issue. This is not a core value. This is up the other end of the spectrum. This is really just the little stuff in life, right? It's nothing to to uh, to break up about by taking this or approach, have an argument, yeah. right? Or have an argument about by by simply expressing it directly through the eye, then you can uh, resolve it. Oh, let's go out for pizza, whatever it is, without descending into uh, feeling attacked and and um, so on. So very important is also to always to to ha- because you've done certain work to build this and to hold this in your relationship to always remember and to come from the point of view that you're on the same side. Right. You don't develop the kind of relationship that. Uh, quickly takes you to the place where your partner is an adversary. Mm-hmm. That that isn't the the culture of your relationship. The culture of your relationship, the energy in that relationship, is we're on the same side. We're there for each other. We back each other. We care for each other. I'm loved. They know I love them, uh, etc. So you're. When you really are practicing the things that develop that type of a culture, you're much less apt to be in attack mode, to be alienated altogether. You are coming from a place where you're where you're together, not against. And I would I would also say that. Uh People get into arguments because they they feel that something is going to be taken away from them. They're going to lose something, whether it be respect or time to themselves or um, whatever. And when you do come from a position that um, uh, you are a couple um, and you're on the same side as Maud says... Um, those those positions, you're much less likely to take those positions. What about acknowledgement? If you're in if you're in a if you're in a situation and you have had some kind of a conflict and you haven't yet mastered the, the conflict-free <laughs> relationship, um, and you've spoken about the you rather than only focusing on the I, and the other person has to receive something. So how how do how does the partner help the other one to acknowledge or receive or what might that look like? Optimal is if the other partner doesn't jump on the bandwagon. So in the moment of feeling a t- of an attack having occurred from what you've described, you know, you, 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 mm-hmm. the other partner can think to themselves, I know we're on the same side. I know that... Um, we, we both want mutual solutions. We both love each other. We both feel good. So this, so my partner must really be hungry, exhausted, tired. So you don't jump on the bandwagon. You could say, I hear what you're saying. In other words, if you don't jump on it and you don't start defending yourself, the problem with lists like you did this and you did that or you didn't do this and you didn't do that is Um, We all have a lot of different reactions to the same thing at any given time. And we walk around with lists unconsciously in our head also of of, uh, little things, injustices or things that were done to us. And when one person brings up lists, it's very easy for the other person to, well, you did this and that and the other. You know, they have their own list. So it's important that if one loses that 
balance, the other stays in the place of mutuality. And so, oh, and definitely the three A's, acknowledgement, appreciation, and acceptance are really a big way to go. So you, we all want to be seen and heard for who we are. So if somebody is telling you something, I think one of the first things to reassure them is that you hear what they're saying. If you cannot get into defending yourself, but rather respond to your partner's need, you will diffuse the situation very quickly. Mm-hmm. Super. I think we've covered a lot. I think people could listen to this audio a number of times and, and actually take more ideas from it. I think it, we've covered a, a lot of ground. Are there any other Absolutely. final strategies or techniques or how-tos um, that you'd like to cover? You did ask uh, about acknowledgement. We talk about acceptance, appreciation, and acknowledgement. Acceptance is the first stage of accepting. This is Maud. We're in a relationship together. We're we're together. We're on the same side. Appreciation is saying, also. oh, God, you know, I love the way you do your nails. I love the way you handled um, talking to that person the other day. Um, uh, positive things like that. Or that's that's my internal appreciation. Uh, an acknowledgement is saying those things to the other person. So we think that uh, being explicit about the good things in the relationship is is important as a kind of nourishment. And don't fall asleep. Don't take the relationship. Don't take your partner for granted. And this go. This is it. However long that you're together. Um, I was talking to a couple we were interviewing who's been together about 40 years, and she said that her she loves to cook, and she's always been very into that. And um, But she said that every night when she makes dinner, her husband thanks her. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a small example, but it basically is don't take your partner for granted. And, you know, try to find... It's not just verbal. Try to find creative, fun, different little ways here and there that you just acknowledge the person and let them know how much you see them and appreciate them. You, you know what we This have. morning we were sitting on the couch talking about things, and I looked over to my left, and there was a card there with my initial M on it that Phil had just left there. He does stuff like that all the time. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. It so happens he does that, but... Uh, you you have to be very careful not to take your partner for granted or your relationship ever. So on that note, can you, maybe my last question, can you tie that with expectation? Because in relationship, we come to expect certain things from a partner, yet that can end up taking someone for granted, right? And and that means that we're, we're not necessarily showing the same level of appreciation. So how... How much of a risk is taking someone for granted because of expectation? Hmm. Yes, I think it's a risk. I, I don't know how we can talk about this because we... We don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to talk to someone else about it. Well, no, that, that's very interesting. So, so between the two of you, you feel that you have a, a low amount of expectations from each other. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, we have the core value, which I guess you could say are expectations. I I am, but it's more a complete assuredness in who, in, in the, in the, that, that on everything that is of absolute importance and consequence to me, that is a value that I cannot 
the, a life value for me that Phil and I are on the same page. I'm at this. I'm at the same time aware he's a totally different person than me. Yes. So the it, way he expresses those things in his life is also totally different. Right. I think these low expectations arise out of the concept of individuality. Mm-hmm. That here she's doing her own thing. If she wants to go off and golf on Thursdays, good luck. Mm. Um, we do communicate. You have to have a good communication. I'm not just disappearing and he doesn't know why or he expected something else to be happening with that we've agreed on and I don't show up. It's it's not that. Right. So, um, so you, you make agreements and it sounds like maybe they're short-term agreements actually rather than long-term. It's not like you will make dinner every Thursday forever but you'll make dinner this Thursday. Is that right? Well, we tend to do dinner together but... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it tends to more be I'm hungry what should we make you know but um um but yes that example could be the case we i i think we are two very individual people with very full whole separate lives mm-hmm. who live together with a very active mutual life so this level of expectation i don't have an expectation on behavior except as i said that his underlying behavior will always not breach our core values mm-hmm. but from that point on, it's always a fabulous experience to see how this human being who's so different than I lives these things that we do agree on on the core level because he does it completely differently. I don't have expectations of where he'll be. I'm always surprised in a wonderful way. That's why we celebrate difference. Because mm. I, 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 w- I would say that, that we come to the relationship as complete people. We don't come into a relationship mm-hmm. with an expectation that this person is going to fill in the parts of me that uh, I feel where I feel needy. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, I feel that, that Maud adds to me rather than completes me. Mm-hmm. And that it relates to your question about expectations. I don't have expectations that she is going to uh, make me feel safe or um, what, whatever. Mm-hmm. What, what, the things that she brings to the relationship are bonuses. Superb. Right? Do you have anything else to add and maybe let people know where they can find you online and any last final, mm-hmm. uh, maybe something that you're doing at present or any other last insights? <laughs> well, you talk, at, you say at present, and I was thinking just two minutes ago, one of the things that we have not talked about at all in this discussion is being present. And mm-hmm. we, won't, we won't go into it now or we could be here another 30 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is but, a very, very critical part of our togetherness, right? And and the being present, uh, uh, you know, the 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 positivity of our relationship stems out of being present. It's it's not so much ideas and commitments and what you'll do, but um, actually being together. Yes, right. <laughs> so we're not passing in the night. We 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 spend. A, a, quite a bit of time actually being with each other. When we're with each other, we are actually with each other. Um, let me answer your thing. We 
uh, have a newsletter that we put out once a week, and it also has a link to a blog, an article that we write once a week, and um, that can be signed up for at philandmaud.com slash how to T-W-O slash. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, our website is Phil and Maud, M-A-U-D-E dot com. And all of our blogs are on there. As I said, we write articles weekly. We also produce a series called Kit and Cat Relationship Experts. These are two cats who give fabulous relationship advice in uh-huh. short video clips. And they can be found on YouTube if you put in the phrase Kit, K-I-T, and Cat, K-A-T, Kit and Cat Relationship Experts. If you do that, you'll get a whole series of these wonderful videos. Uh, one of the people who wrote us about uh, giving us some feedback said she loves the, the bite-sized pieces of information that Kit and Cat are offering because she said in this world of inundation of information, sometimes it's great to just concentrate on one aspect that you can do to have a, a conflict-free relationship. Some of the yeah. topics are making lists and keeping score, don't ignore your partner. Right, um, they're just 90-second videos and we try and make them light and humorous mm-hmm. but uh, educational at the same time. Uh, so that, that's that, and the newsletter and the blog, and so um, and of course our book will be coming out probably in February. Okay, that'll be an audio book, an ebook, and it'll be on Amazon, and um, it's called How to T W O colon Have a Successful Relationship. Excellent. So up with acceptance, appreciation, and acknowledgement. Down with expectations. <laughs> <laughs> speak, speak from the I, not the you. Uh, I've, right. take, I've taken a lot of notes, but I think, again, people can listen to this audio a number of times to, to uh, start to take out all of what we've covered. So thank you very much. I appreciate the time. And maybe we can do this again, maybe in the new year. Mm-hmm. The, all right. That sounds well, great. Uh, perhaps we... once the, uh, the book comes out, yes. we can do it.